Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, folks. It's David here. And I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors, NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and try and spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always. And this week I thought I'd mix it up a little bit because it was pointed out last week that whenever Rangers have a disappointing result, I tend to wheel out Andy McGowan and Martin Ramsey. And I didn't realise I did that, but looking back, that's true. So I thought after what was arguably Rangers' best performance of the season, I'd flip the script a little bit and roll out Andy McGowan. Hello, folks. <laughs> and Martin Ramsey. Thank you, David. Good to be on in better terms. Well, that's the thing. Um, I think if you really wanted a, 
a subtitle for this show. It's um, Best Performance of Season Follows Worst Performance of Season. Now, we're not going to dwell too much on Wednesday night, folks. If you want a full discussion on that, then Heart and Hand Extra from last week contained that. Um, the last game is, is always the most important, as we know. And let's just get straight into it. First of all, Andy, yesterday, the, the thing that I heard that people kept saying to me, they said on our website, they kept saying, my friends, my family, we don't just need a win, although a win is clearly the most important thing, but we need a performance today that a 1-0 or a sketchy 2-1 was not going to cut it, was not going to lift the mood yesterday. Anything other than a, a win would have been a disaster, but they had to try and get the fans back on side with how they did it. And I think it's it's fair to say that they did begin to to make amends with what was an impressively committed performance. Yeah, you, you'd alluded in a previous point about getting the snap back, you know, that with this intangible thing that we had last year, the intensity. And uh, we had it yesterday, we showed it for the, for the first minute. You could see a notable, noticeable difference in the the types of tackles we were making. How many? I've not. I've seen as many slide tackles in a Rangers game since the eighties. And uh, you know, we'd have, we'd have taken any form of victory yesterday. But it was at the back of my mind that you know, if we could have a, a really good performance, rack up a few goals, try and reclaim some of the momentum, then it would do us the world do good. It was badly, badly needed because you know, yesterday was yesterday was a big, big game for us. It was probably bigger than we all cared to admit. Um, so it was fantastic to actually come out of it with such positivity, the crowd back on side, a lot of positives in the football in front as well. So uh, it was a really, really good day. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah, it was. A, that's a key thing. It was. It was fun to watch, and it looked fun to play. And the players seemed to be enjoying themselves a lot more. Martin, one of the things that. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of hoped for going into the game was with Celtic playing first, maybe they would drop something. I didn't think they would, you know, the high of, of Wednesday night would carry them through and, and it did. But I, in a way, I think that made our performance even better because had Celtic dropped points, then the crowd would have been lifted, the mood would have been better. And, you know, th- there would have been an artificial stimulus, if you like. Whereas that wasn't the case. They did face an Ibrox that the fans were going to very much unhappy with what they'd witnessed, very much needing to be impressed. And the fact that they were able to do that, I think it might have been better because it it didn't take away from the pressure. And I think it was pressure they needed to face and I think it was pressure they needed to overcome. No, I completely agree. Um, We've seen post-winter break performances like this before, um, but they've been followed up with obviously spilling loads more points. And once Celtic got ahead... In, in 19 and 2020, uh, we we crumbled. And I've, I've spoken to a Rangers player about this, you know, what, what happened? Everything looked so great at, at, at New Year. So they just kept winning and we, we, we couldn't cope. So you're absolutely right. Um, Celtic continuing on that trajectory, up the pressure even more, and therefore the response has to get all, all the credit that's coming to it because um, it, it was... Everything we we hoped for, we dared to hope for. Um, I mean, I, for me to be honest, these three league games fall in Parkhead, the Hearts, Hibs, and then Dundee United at Tarandice, just needed to see wins. Um, I, I wasn't overly bothered how we, how we got them. We, that would represent 
a proper response and a proper statement that, right, you gave us a bloody nose, but we're still here. So can you do this? Can you continue at that pace? Can you continue with that that, that approach to, to football? Uh, we hamstring snapping everywhere because we're not going anywhere. And then we've got quite easier fixtures um, get into March that you, you would maybe hope for, for, for the kind of performance we saw yesterday. So, you know, ideal, it comes early. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the pressure was up. And I've talked umpteen times, as you know, about uh, fears about hunger and fears about intensity right from the off. Uh, and I shared that. Um, it was Laura Clark that sent me that, that interview with, with Dan Carter, the, the, the former All Black, um, part of an, an incredible team and an incredible sportsman still talking about the difficulty to follow up a big win. Um, All Blacks, great rugby team, but had really struggled to win a World Cup. It had become a thing, and therefore 2011, it was a holy grail, and they won it. They'd gone from good to great. And he says, any look at any Rugby World Cup team, the, the season after, they're poor, because subconsciously, they just can't go to that well again. They just don't want to. They, well, we've done this. We're, we're great. There's a complacency. And in those moments in the season that falls, when you've got to dig deep and find something, it's just not there. And they had to really do a lot of work in terms of resetting. And these are top, top level competitors to reset completely and say, we're going from great to greatest, <laughs> to being a kind of legendary team. So that was always a concern. We do not have a dressing room when they won 55 of seasoned medal winners where that 55th league title, it just gets chucked on a pile with the others and they say, that's lovely, what's next? We, we didn't have that. Um, so it's been a big, big adjustment. And another thing to that whole debate or that, that whole um, discussion that's only really come to me recently, we didn't just win that league last season, they sauntered to it. It was a canter. They'd won it by March the 7th. They start this defence of the league title against an opposition who are a bin fire in August. And it just maybe, again, subconsciously leads to that degree of complacency. They don't have to go the extra mile again. They don't have to be relentless. Look at them. And then those three home draws, I think, are crucial, more crucial than anything we've seen this season in September, um, September October. Um, Motherwell, Hearts and Aberdeen. Um, when Rangers had their foot in the neck and it should have snapped, Postacoglu could have got sacked because they had to drop more points there. But you you were in those press conferences with with, with Gerard. There was just a, I but we're still top. Yeah, he was flat. It's fine. We, we're still you know, top. We, Don't we, worry we about spoke, it. We spoke about that you and I and Adam and I spoke about it on the on the shows that I, I'd seen him angrier after wins. Absolutely. Last so it's, it's a, there's a complacency, I think, and I think it was right. Okay, so we've this. Don't worry, we're still top. Gerard leaves. That debacle at Hamden against Hibs, a new manager's come in, right, that's lovely, but look at your December, this is tough. And what do we get? We get the players finding a resolve, finding a hunger again to really dig deep and get through 100% in the league, qualifying Europe. Yeah, there's some stodgy performances, but but right, there's a bit of transition here. Give them a break. They've still done the biz. And we go off in that break, six points clear, Celtic will drop points again. This is no bother. And again, we see this complacency. Again, I think it's subconscious. I don't think it's it's, it's deliberate laziness. Um, but the, those two weeks from from Pataudry to Parkhead, um, aye, but we're, we're still top, don't worry. And now we're not. And now, maybe I'm hoping, rather than, than, than the, it's too early, too early to tell, but maybe I am just hoping here that on Sunday we saw finally that, that hunger come back in a kind of meaningful way because those players have been 
ripped to bits since last Wednesday night. Absolutely pilloried. Even some some non Rangers fans have, have done the same. Um, and there hopefully is a sense of, of of just rediscovering that hunger. About well, we'll show them then. Let's 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 go. Let's go again uh, because it's not as easy as that. And I've seen so many people just say, well, should we get a kick up the arse or maybe just a, a hug? It, if it's not there, it's not there. Don't care what a coach says. And the situation has to change for that hunger to, to, to return. Or you have to be utterly elite. And with all the love in the world, we're not talking about a, a group of absolute elite um, athletes here. Um, so maybe the situation, that, that, that final humiliation has been the thing that, that that's that's recharged um, or at least started that recharge. Um, but it was it was lovely to see and intensity is exactly that right from the off. I, I want what you say there to be true. We don't have enough evidence yet, but oh no no the, the early signs of it were promising. So you know absolutely and I agree with you that there has been a subconscious complacency in there. Andy I also think that the manager did learn a fair bit on Wednesday night about who he can trust and who he can't trust. And the team was changed yesterday. And a lot of eyebrows were raised before the match yesterday because he, he changed the lineup, he changed the way we played, he changed the system. And before the game, people were saying, what, Lundstrom's in? Uh, yeah, I don't understand that. And Arfield on the right, I don't understand that. And then when the game unfolded, we saw why that was the case, because uh, Jack and, and Lundstrom were sitting, but dynamically sitting, getting the ball and passing it forward quickly and closing down men and taking the ball off them quickly. Arfield was put on, wide on the right to lead the press, which he did. And mm-hmm. from the first seconds, Rangers pressed. Rangers were right in at Hearts. Whenever a Hearts player got away, um, if a move broke down, there were three Rangers players around them to try and win the ball back. It was so much better than what we'd witnessed Wednesday night. And it was guys who were prepared to go the extra mile. As people pointed out, there was a couple of totemic things in it where Lundstrom um, you know somebody kind of half nicks the ball off him but he makes another two tackles in the same run to try and come away with the ball which the fans you know they, they rolled it like a goal and I think Hearts in the first half particularly I know they fell apart in the second but I think Hearts in the first half looked shell-shocked they did not expect to come to Ibrox and be put under the pressure when they had the ball in their own half that they were No, 100% correct there was um well, some big calls yesterday for Van Bronckhorst and, you know, Wednesday is cataclysmic as it was and the fallout from it, the fallout from it as expected as it was. I thought a lot of it was, you know, it sounds all right. It sounds kind of placid now to say it was OTT, but I did think that a lot of what Martin's saying there speaks to me. This team had credit at the bank. We know what they're capable of. We know what they did last year and, OK, it tends to have evaporated a wee bit, but it's still there somewhere, and you you can look through all the sport, all the football. You know, Liverpool's the most recent kind of topical uh, indication of this. It, it, sometimes you need to drop off to come back, and I, I just don't know. We're too early right off, and Brockhorst. We're too early right off. Some of these players, some of the, some of the other players, it's it's quite justified. Um, and some of the calls that he made yesterday for that team selection were massive because. You know, if things go wrong, if you look at it in a pessimistic light, if things go wrong, then these are the things that people will point out. Why did you play Arfield at right, mid, uh, right forward three? 
You know, when you've got Sakalo on the bench, you've got Diallo, people will pick up on that if it doesn't go to plan. But yesterday, what we saw was players step up, every single one of them. Now, I'll single out Lundstrom for a second because he was pretty integral yesterday. And he was absolutely fantastic against Hearts the first time round when we played him at Ibrox and we drew one each and he deserved to be in a winning team that day. And it's kind of for that reason that I've often thought to myself, something's going to happen to this guy. He can't be as bad as we're thinking. Um, because of what I've, I've seen with him is he often slows the play down. He looks quite controlled, but he's not as uh, energetic or effervescent as like Sir Jack has been when, he, when we've seen him. So he came up, stepped up, did um, drove forward, which I love to see. I've spoke about in pods the fact that he gets the ball with acres in front of him and takes an easy pass, keeps it simple. I think Jack complimented him fantastically. I thought Bassey was snapping into tackles. I thought Balligan was tight, as he always is. You know, Tavernier was trying to get forward as often as possible. But the key thing was Morelos. And I know it sounds obvious to say, well, he's came back and he's knitted it all together. He is the man that makes our attacking football tick because A, he gives us a strength up front. B, his interplay is fantastic. Uh, and C, he's the only striker we've got at the club that can handle the entire defence himself. He was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And I think if he's not playing yesterday, I don't think what happened harms. So it's about personnel for me and the 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 balls of, of Van Bronckhorst to actually take a step back for Wednesday and say, right, this is what we need today. It took a total departure for where we were. You know, we thought that this 4-3-3 and sitting back, it was becoming a, a bit of a, you know, a trope that this is what he does. And yesterday we saw that we can attack for 90 minutes we can still keep the back door closed. We can have a, an adaptable formation where you've got Lundstrom and Jack as defensive, supposedly defensive midfielders, but still they were great attacking threats. They moved the ball forward. So it's all about what you do in your positions as opposed to kind of falling into the, the trap that, you know, we play two defensive midfielders or two sitting in front of the centre halves and, and it instantly means you have to be a defensive team. So, uh, you know, Van Bronckhorst is an dummy. And I go back to Wednesday, I thought he was let down by his team. I thought that, in hindsight, everybody was saying it was a ranked team, ranked set-up and the rest of it. I, I thought that was a perfect counter-attacking team. And I think it was a combination of us being caught off guard with Celtic, them being so up for it, hyper up for it, that they blew us away and we never get started. But the one thing that was missing on the Wednesday that we had yesterday was control of the ball, taking the ball off the centre-halves, Letting, I mean, hearts were pressing, but we were we were continually having the the brave the, the, the kind of brave attitude take the ball. You seen McGregor playing it out for the back. We hardly had a kick up the park in the first half. We need to be doing that all the time because we're actually quite good at it. We've seen it under Gerard. How many times we played it for for back to front? You know that 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 partner play where it goes out for the goalie to Tavernier, who's almost in the corner flag up the park. We can do it when we when we want to but we need to have the bravery to do it. And that's what I was missing at Pataudry and it was missing uh, at Parkhead. We just did not take control of the ball, take the sting of the game and dictate it in our, the way we should be. So I, I'm delighted that it, that it turned out the way it did yesterday. We're now going to the next challenge, which is Hibs, because, you know, this is another big pressure game. But I think Hibs will be looking at it and saying, right, you know, what do, say, what do the Rangers do now? Because we've shown that we're an adaptable team. Van Brocken has shown that he can use the people at his disposal. I think Arfield um, 
his tactical uh, is just intuitive. That you you said the other day he controlled the press. He did, he absolutely did, uh, and that's because he's he's a clever he's a more clever player than probably we give us, give him credit for. He, I think he's been written off and Van Bronckhorst is brought back to life. He he's turned into a, a kind of really really important player for us. Whether he's sitting in the midfield or you know I would never ever have thought in a month of Sundays of playing him in the position he played yesterday, but it was a masterstroke. So all positives, but you know. <laughs> But we're Rangers, so on to Wednesday and see if it works again. Martin, I want to touch on something that Andy mentioned there, which is the importance of Alfredo Morelos. And it's been stated you know, many times over the years, but I think we can be quick to forget at times just what he does. And I was sitting watching that game yesterday and I thought, look, this surely ends the debate about who's our best player. Now, you can have a favourite. And you can have a guy who's got a higher technical level. That these are debatable things. That's subject. I don't really think there's an awful lot of. Uh, he's the one guy that I don't think there's a replacement who can come in and play. Now there are times that guys go off form. Absolutely, I get that. And you might make a change. Barisic is in that thing at the moment, but he's the one guy that if he's out the team, there's not a replacement. And yesterday, he was absolutely superb, as Andy says, he battered their defence to the point where our hearts started with Sibic on him, um, the new centre-half, a big, tall guy who watched against Hibs and he looked quite impressive, whereas they actually had to swap and put yeah. basically two guys on. They had to put another defender on him and drop a midfielder back, and it still didn't really help them. Um, he was fantastic. Everything about, you know, he got his goals, which were both excellent finishes. The first one, I thought, was a tap-in, but when you watch it back, it's not... Um, he still has a fair bit to do. It was a good finish. Second one, of course, is just outstanding. But it's been slightly lost, I think, in the, the criticism of Van Bronckhorst, for which I am as guilty as anyone, by the way. I'm not having a go. If it sounds like that, I apologise. I'm not. The, one of the things that has definitely been an improvement has been Morelos. Morelos' form post that Hib semi-final, where, like the rest of the team, he was rotten, um, has been noticeably getting better and better and better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, in terms of some of your other points, in terms of what he does, there isn't a replacement. We can't play that way by putting Roof or, or, or Itten in there. Uh, and we couldn't play that way by putting Defoe in there previously. He he does a a, a certain job that, that no other Rangers player can really do. Uh, you can do other things and, and play other ways, um, potentially, and that that's a different that's a different ball game, um, but but yeah, when he is when he's on that uh, in that form uh, as fit as he looks as well, uh, then he's he's a huge he's a huge loss when he when he's not there, uh, and and as as much as as, as Van Broekhuis was also fairly I think pilloried during the week, we reintroduced. You know, almost a new spine to the you know, the team from the start of eleven that uh, that started at Parkhead. So, uh, and uh, Dingwall. So, there's there, there are other kind of components there, but he he brings other people in when he's on form. And to your other point, uh, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from when he's in the mood. When he's not, because he's a man down, he can still do things. He can still um, be effective for other players. When he's uh, off on the ball, bounces off him. You're kind, absolutely right. Yeah. And he's all no, over the shop. Still, but yeah, he can still he, be foil for others to 
to step up, even when he's not absolutely on it. Yeah. Sometimes, though, he, 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 as we know, he has been a liability when he's not absolutely on it. But he, he doesn't look that way in the moment. And if that can continue till May, then obviously we, we have a, a shout of, of, of staying in the race and, and seeing you know what what questions we can we can ask of them as, as that develops uh but it's it's the impact on others uh i agree with you but the first goal that that is not as simple as it looks but it's about it's about being in that place uh you and i were in dingwall how many times Itton was Itton, not in that yeah. place when it looked obvious that he should have been uh the goal is the bassy pass and the kent cross which had to be then Right, because that that boy was covering, uh, and if 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 Kent had waited, which here's a, a microcosm, a couple of games ago he may have waited, he may have of of maybe he'd have turned back, he'd turned back, and, and and tried to, to to kind of cut in. It was there's a pass, first time cross, perfect. It was just such a great goal, uh, and the, you know the second is 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 very much an alpha goal, just battling his way through, gets the break, and you know makes hearts pay for for that break i suppose that leads me to to two other players andy that martin mentioned one of which was dropped to the bench glenn kamara glenn kamara came on and then i'm sure i wasn't the only one who when i saw who had been put clean through went is that glenn what's he doing there (laughs) and then he took it like a seasoned striker a lovely finish and and confident he knew all the way what he was going to do and he did it um huge for him you could see by his celebration what it meant to him and the other one of course was ryan kent who had a howler at, at parkhead watching the game back any of these sort of allegations that come up a lot is he's not interested he's not trying that's not true watch him mm. he has you know he, he was even the last minute he's he's running back he's trying to make things happen he was just awful his touch was awful his decision making was awful it was a dreadfully poor performance but for both of them to come back from that, I think shows good mental strength, shows good resilience. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, in the case of Ryan Kent, that's why he gets judged so so harshly, in my opinion, because he can do that. I mean, up to this point this season, I think he had something like uh, three assists and two goals. And he got three assists yesterday and should have had a goal. He was unlucky with a, a finish. Um, he, he should have scored, to be fair, but he'd done so well even just to, to make the chance. That's why these guys get judged. Glenn Kamara is the same. You know, we, we do judge them in a more harsh manner because we know what they can do. And they have previously set standards that, rightly or wrongly, we expect them to keep to. No, I mean, we are harking back to, to last season, but last season was the standard. And I think I've used kind of terminology like Kamara graduated, Aribo graduated. They became Rangers players last year and once you're there you can't really go back to you know being a peripheral squad player and the thing with Kamara is that when Van Bronckers came in he made two kind of glaring decisions it was clear to see that he, he liked Arfield and he, he liked his ability to, to um, you know have the third man run and to be a, a cosy striker from midfield and the other thing that he did was he made, he made Glenn Kamara's number six he put him right in front of the centre halves and told him you're, you're my main man at the in front of my centre-halves, which, as I've, I've spoken about earlier, is absolutely integral to how we play. Um, whereas previously, I kind of saw Kamara as complementary to Ryan Jack or Davis or whoever was, was the central figure in midfield. Kamara was graduated to that player. 
And we've seen that uh, versus Dundee United at home. They totally nullified him. You know, they, they caught off the supply to him. He, could, he didn't have a solution. He didn't come up with a solution in the park. I thought against against Celtic, it was the same story. Our big problem was we couldn't control the ball because Kamara wasn't taking it off his centre-half, so a man at his back. And so it was no surprise to see him on the bench um, yesterday. But he, just is a, he is a sublime player. And, and you know, he can contribute greatly to Rangers, but he's one of the guys where you think, you know, he could get a wee bit mad at him, but maybe it's not his game. So we're talking obviously about in the final third. You see glimpses of it like that goal yesterday. He can do it. He can shoot when he wants to, but he just doesn't do it enough. Um, so it was good to see him come off the bench yesterday and score the goal because much like Barisic, the form might be out the windy right now, but Personally, and I'm talking about me here, I don't think he abandoned the two players simply because they've had a, a, a period of bad form. And I think maybe Kamara will benefit greatly for the fact that Jack's back, that Davis is coming back, and that Lundstrom, hopefully, Touchwood, is finding some kind of tangible form because I think he is suited to being that complementary player to the rest of them. I think we, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see if we see him back in that number six position that Van Bronckhorst gave him when he first came. So I really, really, will, no. I, I don't think we will either. I think, maybe, I think it, maybe at home to, you know, lesser light, I but not, certainly not in tougher away matches, no. No, no. So I think that's, uh, when you say about him learning things about players on Wednesday, I think, you know, there's a wee bit of body evidence now that Kamara, um, he's not quite, maybe not quite where we thought he was, you know. He's, mm. he's maybe not quite that player that we thought he was worth 20 million or so. He's back in the fold. It kind of kills any debate about form and reminds us all what a player he is. Ken, on the other hand, I totally agree with you. On Wednesday, uh, Parkhead, piss poor. <laughs> but the one thing that I thought was that Ken never ever hides. And, and in a poor night like that, that counts for something. Unfortunately, that's the, the, it's usually a, bit, a prerequisite, basic. But on that night, it was actually it set him apart because of the starting eleven. He kept trying things. He kept trying to force the issue. He took players on. He never had. He made himself look worse than he actually was because you know I don't think he was getting much help. He had a couple of shots that were powder puff, but I was like, well, he's the only one that's shooting. But yesterday was him. His absolute dynamic best, explosive, um, relentless. Hurting teams, you know, because I always measure the attacking players. Do you hurt the team? You know, do you get in that, that that penalty box and make them make silly challenges or test the goalkeeper? He was doing that yesterday. He was really, really unlucky. Well, depends how you see it. It was really, either really a bad miss or he was unlucky with the one where he chopped inside onto his right foot mm. and, and should have put it into the far corner and, and left Gordon standing. What a goal that would have been. And it would have killed the game even earlier. But I thought he was, he was integral to everything we did yesterday. Um, I don't know if he came in a wee bit for the wing. I thought I think he's been isolated out the wing a bit too much. So when we've been well, lauding Van Bronckhorst for for playing wide men, I think he's went too wide at times. Well, tactically yesterday, this I found this quite interesting that rather than both wings being the same, mm-hmm. one wing I think Kent was slightly wider playing the traditional winger role, but not on the other side. On the other side, Arfield was tucked in leading the press, helping out midfield and allowing Tavernier to go by him. And that's the first I've seen us do that. Now, you and I and Martin are of a generation, we remember Dick Advocat's side, where if it was a winger, i.e. if it was Konchelskis, 
on one side, then it would be a left-sided midfielder on the other. Whereas if it was Neil McCann, then it would be a left, a right-sided midfielder on the other side. He did that where you never got two wingers. You got a winger and a midfielder, and, and it, the side would change. But I think we did that yesterday. I think we mixed it up. No, that's a great point. Uh, and, and Tavernier, I think one of the, the issues we, you know, what's been put towards Van Bronckhorst and sitting back, that's an inverted commas, is because he's, he's tempered the fullbacks a wee bit. But we've seen it in the second half at Ross County that, you know, Tavernier came out in the second half and he was a good 20, 25 yards further up the park straight away. And what a difference it made to us. I think we need to, you know, persist with that. Tavernier is far better further up the park as a quasi-winger the eyes is a traditional overlapping fullback, and and if that means that Bassi or whoever has to sit back to to offset that, then so be it. But no, it, it really really worked yesterday. Um, and and Ken, he's a form player. I sometimes think his confidence dips, um, but he never ever hides, and sometimes things don't come off him, and the crowd getting his back and so on. But he's just such an important player for us. He's, he's absolutely dynamite. And when he's on, on his song, he's one of the best players in Scotland. He really he can do things that nobody else can do for Rangers. Martin, I'm going to bring up a point. I actually saw it was a Hearts fan that made it yesterday. And it, it really did get me thinking. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting point. And I hope you do as well. And I hope the listeners do. But uh, I suppose the proof will be in the pudding. But uh, basically, a, a few Hearts fans were grumbling. And grumbling about Robbie Nielsen and grumbling about the, the results and the way they play football. Now, you know, from the outside looking in, he took them up at a canter and they're, I think, 10 points clear in third. Um, I'm not quite sure what else they're after. But even so, you know, it's not my club. I don't watch them every week. I don't put money into them. I don't have the, the right to criticise that. So fair enough. But... He said, I'm reading a lot of this from our fans and how unhappy they are and, you know, what a bad result it was. He was like, yeah, we weren't good. He said, but where's this idea come from that Rangers are here for the taking? Um, They've lost two games in 60. And, you know, yeah, they had a draw last week, game they should have won. Yeah, they were awful at Parkhead. He said, but I keep hearing this, you know, and he, he said, not just from Hearts fans, but from fans of other clubs that our Rangers are there for the taking. And he said, there's no evidence at all to back this up. And I thought, you know, that's a very good point that, there does seem to be a fixation. I'm sorry to drop in the mainstream media, but it does seem to be portrayed a lot that, well, you're not going to get anything at Celtic. They're flying. Very rarely do you get the same sort of response about Rangers. And there is this general mood, which I think sometimes we as supporters can add to, um, which, oh, you know, we're not playing well or, or, or undervaluing how we have done and really going nuts about the negatives and not being aware of positive. Now, I'll sometimes get criticism for being too positive. Um, you'll always see a wee group on social media of so-called Rangers fans who wait until there's a bad result and then they're out calling everybody, you know, from from me to the tea ladies to um, Jimmy, but everyone gets it. It's a strange way to live your life. But in general, there does seem to be this thing that sometimes there's an undervaluing of this Rangers side. And there are times they do drive you nuts. And, you know, I, I, I was in and about them last week because they deserved it. It was a dreadful, dreadful display. But the idea that Hearts fans clearly had going to Ibrox yesterday is they're rocking and rolling, we're going to take them. It, it, it isn't borne out by evidence. Uh, well, football fans live in the, the here and now. They, they, they're not interested in the, the 57 games before you know the, the, the winter break ended. 
they'll be looking at the two weeks before, uh, which were horrendous. Or not horrendous, but they, they weren't particularly impressive, and you, you could not say that Rangers see, were flying. See you're, do, see, you're doing it, but, which were horrendous, no, but, I, I, and then I, you go, actually, now I think about it, they weren't horrendous, they just weren't as good as I wanted <laughs> them to be. Okay. If, if, you're, if you're a football fan, and you're, you're having a shot at the big boys, uh, why would you... We're all talking about it getting to the game as well. This is a huge game, and there's nerves, and there's pressure... But it's a home game against Hearts, so you can have it both ways. There were a lot of questions about yesterday because our form was was poor. We didn't look at it. Hearts had already come here and stolen a point uh, early in the season. Uh, they were involved in a, a bit of a ding-dong at, at, at Tynecastle in December as well. So, no, no one was writing about Rangers the last couple of weeks the way they've been writing about Celtic because... That's not how the form is. They were writing about that last season. You didn't want to face Rangers pretty much at any time last season because we, there was just such a head of steam uh, and an intensity. And all the things we've talked about being missing consistently this season and hopefully, hopefully can can return to some degree. Uh, but I, I, I get the football fan thing there that we could go. Now, there's a difference between we could go and, and, and steal something, and we should. I don't think, with all best will in the world, Hearts should uh, expect to come to Ibrox and, and do that. They pressed pretty high. Uh, I don't think they were particularly negative. Uh, just Rangers were, were were on it as well, and it, and it made for I say quite an even game, but it was it was delicately poised for an hour, and certainly that first fifteen minutes, the second half. Uh, I think just because of where we sat, Andy and I would have got a better uh, view of that that chance just after uh, the, the the second half started than you would because you're on the other side of the uh, the ground. Uh, I mean that that was terrifying. In the posh seats. Yeah. We're in so, the posh seats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there were moments where if if you're a Hearts fan and you're you're blinded by that, that you they they are here for the taking because form granted it's not good and that spell. The only spell that Rangers really, and, and general teams used to do this to their, their, their cost as well, get drawn into the chaos of Scottish football. That chaotic first 15 minutes of the second half. Uh, where you, you would have been thinking, look, there, there's a chance of, of, of grabbing something. <clears throat> Once Manella scores the, the second, it's it's over. And, and of course, they, they do capitulate. But, uh, you know, we, we had the same fears get into yesterday. So it, 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 it's not exactly out of step for, for visiting fans who are not exactly used to success at Ibrox thinking this weekend we, we've got a shout. Andy? No, I totally agree. I think, I mean, this isn't a new phenomenon. You're talking about the, the kind of narrative around Rangers and Celtic. We remember, in inverted commas, Cavalier Celtic. It, it became a running joke through the 80s that, you know, no matter how bad they were, they were given this kind of uh, characteristic that they were a cavalier, all you know, pure football, and it was nonsense. And and we still see glimpses of that because Celtic are in top form just now. I mean, you think back to Rangers last season when we beat Hamilton eight nothing, and we were, we were absolutely pouring like a Rolls Royce. Everything was working. They're kind of there just now, but it doesn't last forever. It's a fleeting time in, in a, a sports team or an individual sports person's life where you're in the zone. You're, you're only be in the zone for that 
that period and then it you naturally will dip. I still think we've got the best team in Scotland. Um, we've not been shown it. Um, I'm hoping that this this starts to change for the, the, the running. But the, the Rangers support yesterday was excellent because I worried. What it did prove to me is that Twitter <laughs> isn't real life once again. You know, we get sucked into this thing about Twitter and we're talking to each other and you, you, you come up with some wild, wild kind of opinions. I thought the crowd, crowd were really, really good with, with Rangers yesterday for the first whistle and uh, getting the first goal certainly helps. But even so, I thought the, the crowd um, helped the team from the moment they took the pitch and you know the crowd responded. Uh, sorry, the team responded to the crowd in that manner. It's a mutual thing. Um, I, I just think Martin's right. We're living the here and now. We're all football fans. Uh, results matter. I tend to see myself a wee bit differently because I'm I'm a wee bit more pragmatic, a wee bit more laser fair. I do I dare say. Um, straight after the game Wednesday at Parkhead, scunnered as everybody. Two days later, I'm thinking, you know. Is that an outlier? It is. It is, and it's having that perspective. Sometimes it helps you get through it, um, as long as you're not kidding yourself in. So I, I agree with what Martin says there. I do think that we, we we get sucked into it. I think there was some virtual shark thrown in the Rangers Twitter over the last last week. <laughs> I've got to say. Well, all thoughts now turn to Wednesday, another home game, uh, another home game against an Edinburgh side. We take on Hibs, Martin. Now Hibs have not been good lately at all. Um, I watched them against Hearts and they competed well. It was a game in which the football was a byproduct, really. Um, uh, you know, it was one of those Edinburgh derbies. I just have in my head that all Edinburgh derbies are like that, by the way. Has there ever been one that was good? But um, it was entertaining enough, to be fair. But uh, they then lost at home uh, at the weekend to St Mirren, uh, going down one nothing. Against that, it's Hibs. They'll turn up, they'll be very determined at Ibrox. They've nothing to lose. The pressure won't be as big on them as it was for a home game against St Mirren, for example. And it'll be a different sort of challenge. Uh, it will be. Um, similar to Aberdeen coming here in, uh, in the October. Uh, not, not exactly great form. New manager, young, untested. Quite a few question marks still hanging over them. Uh, but they, they look like world beaters. So, yeah, you you would expect uh, a different level of Hibs performance, but I don't think it's the Hibs team that that, that came into that, that, that semi-final. Uh, certainly not the Rangers team that, that came into that semi-final. Uh, so, uh, I'm not expecting uh, too much drama, hopefully. Uh, but but yeah, it, it it will be you expect a a, a mark up on on what they've shown uh, recently. But uh, if we if we play like that, it it really counts for little. That's not to say, by the way, that as much fun as yesterday was, and it was exactly what we needed to see. That it's there. Uh, it was better. Could have been much worse than Wednesday. But you know there, there were still issues. Uh, it was faster, but I still not sure it was fast enough. I think there's an issue at left back. I'll be honest. I'm not sure Bassey can actually head a ball, uh, and then he's he caught out at that 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 back post uh, worryingly. Uh, so it's not to say we've we've reached a panacea. We've suddenly found a complete reversal, uh, and we're we're looking like we were, you know, uh, October November uh, 2020. It's just a lot better. There needs to be a steadier uh, improvement as as we go along. It'll be very interesting to see 
really, if Sunday or yesterday was was just a fuck you, and it's a one off, and it's again this, and we've seen it in patches this season where Rangers have responded, uh, but they've only got the energy or hunger or whatever for 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 one show, one show only. We we kind of need fourteen of them now, and it, it needs to, yeah, it needs to progress. It needs to be the, the same kind of uh, approach right from the start of Wednesday night. On that left-back issue, Andy, you suggested to me yesterday you would bring in Barisic um, because he's a better player, basically, than, than, than Bassi, with the two of them are on form. Now, Bassi did some very good things yesterday. He drove forward, I thought, to good effect. He uh, defence-splitting pass for the opening goal. I mean, it really was a beautiful pass. Um, but, again, he made a mistake very similar to the one at Ross County. It led to a goal last week. He was a wee bit fortunate it didn't this week. Um, defensively, he was uh, slack on a number of occasions. Barisic, the last time we saw him, was was dreadful. I mean, and, and he wasn't good against Ross County either. And those two images of him and his haunches as goals go in um, will, will haunt him. They'll always be throwing up. Uh, the manager has nice selection dilemmas. He brought on Ramsey yesterday, he brought on Sakala, he got a goal. Uh, he's got Diallo there as well. There's some nice headaches in and around the, the uh, Stephen Davis, is another one for him. Left back, he's got an issue, and it's maybe not as pleasant. Aye, um, aye, that was only negative for yesterday. As the the Bassey was uh, defensively, it wasn't sound at all. And and I mean, I think we're being kind. That first ten minutes in the second half could have costed the game with the two chances, and he was involved in both. And this is why I'm not quite as quick as some to to write off Barisic, because I do think that. If if you if you're playing, you know, against Dortmund, for example, I would rather play Barisic than Bassi. He just he's just a wee bit too raw at times defensively. Going forward, I really really like him. Really like him. He's a powerhouse. He's actually got good footwork. He can get by a man. He can put a ball in. But defensively, there's 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 big question marks. I don't think he's any better than Barisic in that that sense. So um, it's a dilemma. What else do you do? Um, I, th- I think Barisic will play against Hibs. I don't think there's any creation of that. But I think you'll see Barisic being bled straight back in. T- not straight back in, but back in the team. We had something similar this- earlier on the season when Barisic was injured and Bassi was playing quite well there uh, in the lead-up to the Celtic game. And, and I said at that time, I said, I'd actually quite like to see Barisic brought back in because I want him up to speed for the Celtic game. Um, and, and it goes back to Wednesday where is that a kind of Rangers career-ending performance, it's no far off it, you know, but we saw Rex in summer. Um I just think it was a really, really bad night and I think to go to knee reactions where you, you, you write a guy like Barisic off off the bat, it's probably too strong. But, you know, you only get so many of the games as a Rangers player, so um, it'll be interesting to see how he recovers for that. The problem, Andy, with Borna is we, we, nothing as bad as Wednesday, but we've, we've kind of been here before. But he yeah. looked really fragile, and that free kick against St. Martin kind of saved, saved yeah. relaunched his, his Rangers career. Ah, there's only so many Sinatras you can you can really pull off in a in a, a career at one club. So I I think there's someone he, you, you you said last night on, on, um, just in, in, in chat, David, that at this minute Bassi's the future, Borna's the past. I think Bassi's the present. I don't think neither of them are the future. I think, I think we have an issue with uh, that it needs to be addressed. That's probably hundred percent. I think I think left back will be a priority position for the close season. 
Right, folks. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. We will, of course, be back on uh, Monday next week to review the Annan game. Um, we will have Heart and Hand Extra, or Adam will. I won't be on it, but Adam will have Heart and Hand Extra to review the Hibs match and preview that match for you. Just a wee shout out that you can win a signed 150th anniversary strip, yes, uh, signed by the entire first team and management. If you sign up to play either Rangers Pools or Rangers Lotto at uh, RYDC website. So go do that and you could be in with a chance of winning that. My thanks to Martin. Oh, pleasure, David. Thank you. To Andy. Thank, just thanks. Th- thank you, David, for getting me on when I'm not having to kind of placate like everybody and cheer them up because we'll yeah. just either. <laughs> exactly. Or get your calculator out. Yeah. Basically, I, I, I thought I thought it would be fun for you two to actually have the novel experience of yeah they play quite well. Um, yeah. So well done to both of you for being able to adapt. See that the first team should take lessons from that adaptability, right? It's, it's how we all grow. Um, my thanks to Mike Lee and Paul Myers at Playback for all their support, our executive producers, and of course, if you want to hear more from us here on Heart and Hand, you want to hear from more from Martin and Andy, then go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to us, and let's hope we're feeling the same way Thursday as we're feeling today. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.